Thank you for listening to the Writers Guild of Alberta podcasts. The following episode was recorded in 2020 as part of the WGA's online reading series, sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. The audio quality may differ from recording to recording. We want to thank the authors and hosts for their permission to share these audio-only episodes with you, and thank the Rosé Foundation again for their generous support. We're live! No, we are live, Katrina. There are two camps of people, those who cycle the globe to solve marital problems and those who don't. Author and adventurer Katrina Rosen has her feet firmly planted in camp number one with her book titled With You by Bike, One Couple's Life-Changing Journey Around the World. Welcome to the Writers Guild of Alberta's awesome online author speaker series. My name is Helen Rolfe and I'm an author and an editor and a first time interview host. So thank you Writers Guild for this opportunity. Uh, viewers, if you'd like to ask questions, please type them in the chat bar on your screen and we will tend to those at the end of Katrina's readings. Hello Katrina. <laughs> Hi, Helen. Katrina Rosen lives in Canmore, Alberta with her husband, Mike, and her young son, Zion. They're a family that spend as many nights sleeping in a tent and a backcountry hut as they do their own beds. They hike, bike, and ski together and play as much as possible in the mountains. As a guide in the Rocky Mountains, Katrina is always eager to share her passion about the outdoors with other people and to um, help them realize their or reach their full possibility in the mountains. When not in the wilderness or competing in long adventure races, Katrina can be found around a warm fire, sipping a good cup of coffee with maps strewn all about planning her next adventure. But there was a time in Katrina's life with Mike in their married life that did not quite fit this picture. In fact, it was the exact opposite. They were a couple that had hit rock bottom in an 11 year marriage and mistakes were made that felt irreversible. With You by Bike is an honest portrayal of how a couple rediscovers their love for one another by way of adventure. Riding through barren landscapes and humid jungles, sharing a picnic with a man and his several wives in Malaysia, camping in a, pardon me, in an orphanage in Cambodia, Navigating heat exhaustion in Vietnam and fighting altitude sickness in Tibet and being robbed twice. All this before facing their last hard climb towards the world's tallest mountain. I first met Katrina more than a decade ago in a writing class where she workshopped a piece that would become chapter 28 in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina had my attention from the start with her light sense of humor as she described shopping for a, uh, to replace a threadbare sports bra in Northern Vietnam, to which the small framed shopkeeper simply said, oh no, you too big. This is a great example of how Katrina puts herself out there page after page. I knew then she had the gumption and the wit to write this book. Katrina, let's get some logistics out of the way. How many miles did you pedal how many countries did you travel through and in how many months? We um, cycled for 13 months in the end and uh, we traveled through 12 countries and um, we never really quite knew where we were going or when we were going to end the journey. So it, it kept going until we felt um, that we were complete and it was time to go, time to go home. Hmm. Wow. 
And how many flat tires did you repair? <laughs> a lot. We actually kept track, which is hilarious um, because I like to write them all down, but mostly because we took a picture of every single one of them. And we just thought this was quite entertaining. It was perhaps mostly entertaining for me because Mike had the majority of the flat tires. He had close to 50 flat tires and I probably had six. So. Wow. And the interesting thing about that is as the book progresses and the flat tires accumulate, um, there's a sense of repair, not only to the bikes, but to the relationship between you and Mike. So it's quite an interesting reflection throughout the pages of the story. That's why that number jumps out at me. Um, we'll get to a little bit more about the relationship, but first I just wanted to ask, be easy uh, to plan, to begin and plan for a trip of this magnitude um, while tending to the raw emotions of a broken relationship. So <clears throat> how did you pull off the very logistics that got you out the door to even begin this trip? It is not easy to prepare for a trip of this magnitude, one that you're leaving your homes and your families and your jobs um, for over a year. So realistically what happened is we didn't plan for it at all. And we actually didn't know um, what we were planning for. So when I proposed the idea to go away on this bike trip to Mike, it was only six weeks before the date we actually chose to leave. And so that didn't give us a lot of time, but it gave us enough time to figure out how we were getting the money from our uh, from our mortgage. Um, we left our jobs and um, because we didn't know where we were going, we did go see the, the doctor to kind of know what we needed to carry for stay kits and how we should prepare ourselves uh, physically. And we bought, uh, we bought bikes, but uh, Mike hadn't really ridden a bike for as, uh, as part of his everyday life until we left on the bike trip. So in that sense, there wasn't too much time spent preparation. It was just more like, what do we need to do to leave? And then we'll figure out the rest later. Which is exactly what you did on many levels. <laughs> Your book highlights the search for forgiveness and we might need to let our viewers in on that a little bit, um, but your search for forgiveness, acceptance, and change. Now, was that something, are, are these things you were looking for from Mike or was it from within yourself? And maybe we can explain a little bit about why we're on the path of forgiveness in this book, if, if, if you'd like to. Oh yes, well, I, wrote, I did write a book about it. <laughs> so um, the book begins um, with me really wanting to take off and, and dreaming of these long days of travel. Um, I believe when we're in hard spots in our lives, there's there's certain things that might help us feel better. And it's really good as an individual to know what that might be. For myself, it's um, being in nature, it's being close to the earth, it helps me feel uh, grounded. If I can live in a tent, um, that's a better way for kind of me to be. Um, and then writing, um, is is the other piece which is ultimately kind of what came out of the book and this healing process and the book begins because mike and i weren't in a great place as in in our relationship and i think um ultimately um 
the main sentence in the book um, hits um, on the fourth page when it says, I am in love with someone else. And that was a big, it's a big thing to write in a book and it's a bigger thing to be dealing with um, at the time um, when you are uh, married to someone, to someone else. And so that's kind of where, where the book starts and, and it goes from there. And then when I left, I wasn't searching necessarily forgiveness um, for forgiveness and acceptance, but I was searching for change. I really needed, we obviously needed a major shift to happen and, and a major change. The rest um, came along um, with every pedal stroke um, and in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt that um, you can have a trip and you can have a long journey and it's a long journey that allows us to feel that shift and to feel that change. And, um, and as a writer, you certainly take us through that, but you take us through it as though we are part of your heart, like we are in this story with you. And um, viewers, when you pick this book up and you read it, you can't help but feel even a change and an improvement in yourself um, in, in whatever relationships you have going on in your life. So it's an incredibly effective uh, storytelling, I've got to say. Thank you very much, Helen. You're welcome. Katrina, would you like to start with reading number one and give us a sense of, um, of where we're at in your book? Let's hear Katrina's voice. <laughs> um, we're still pretty early on, the majority of this story. My legs circulated with ease and familiar familiarity. I sat taller and settled into the rhythm with renewed confidence on my bike. The bike, my other companion, knew my body as well as anyone and I knew it. I knew when I had been ignoring my bike and not giving it enough love, either with cleanliness, oiling, or more air. I never fought with my bike or was mad when it wouldn't go faster or if the chain skipped and it wouldn't run smooth. I just accepted my bike, loving all its faults and everything it had to offer. I shook my head. I suddenly realized I better treat my husband as well as I treat my bike. The thing about cycling every day is there was a ridiculous amount of time to think, hours to ponder happiness, days to think about being present, weeks to reflect on relationships, and months to plan the future. If I added up all the time we sat on the bike contemplating life, my guess is it would equal 2,000 hours. That is a lot of therapy. I changed gears, lower and lower, small ring in the front, big cog in the back, and steadied my cadence. There's someone else on the road for hours and hours. I appreciated the continuous rhythmic rotation of our pedals on the empty back road. The last stretch toward the hot sun dotted with the occasional knotted Joshua tree. The desert no longer terrified me like it did on those first days. I started to slow down. Life is not a race anymore. Instead, Mike became the teacher, the coach, showing me how to bike for pure enjoyment rather than for training, a race, or even a destination. I could have biked at breakneck speed, but after a few solitary experiments, I realized it never made Mike go any faster. He was not in a rush, and I preferred to have his company. It took a while until I began to appreciate the time to just be on our own, the time to listen to the land, the birds, and the wind, without even our chains or tires making noise to interrupt it. I followed Mike's lead and tried to emulate his easiness with life. 
Katrina, Mike seems like a very reliable type, steady as she goes. And he stays that way from the start of the book to the finish. <laughs> it's difficult to portray your husband's steady character in your writing? It would, I, I found him actually to be a very difficult character um, to write about. Um, and I think as a writer, when you're writing nonfiction and I'm writing my story and I'm telling my truth, I also have this really heavy responsibility that I'm telling his. And it's hard to put, um, I don't want to put words into anybody uh, else's mouth, but I, but I wanted to get this as truthfully as I could. And I really actually struggled with his character because Mike's strength is that he is very dependable. He's, um, he's sturdy. He's, um, he's, he's present, but what he's not is, is he's not, um, he doesn't brag. He's not a, like, he doesn't fight. He's not a, he's not a showboat. He's not very um, eccentric. He's just steady and sure. And I'm in a wonderful writing group. And they said to me quite often, where's Mike? <laughs> like, what's he doing right now? I'm like, well, he was there. And they're like, well, you have to show him there. You have to show that he's filling your water up right now. You have to you know, show what he's doing. And I think I finally was able to get it in the first chapter of the book and in one very short sentence. And Mike is, has very messy hair at that time. And the sentence says um, that he looked a little more erratic than his steady self. And, and I think for me, that was kind of the start of like, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to get Mike in this book. And, and I think in the end, he ultimately comes across as true as I do um, in the book. And, um, and and I hope I did him well with that. I, I've never even met Mike and I feel that I know him. <laughs> so I think <laughs> you, um, you, you did do a great job right down to even like what also kind of highlights his steadiness is just also his um, way to wear the, you know, the same shirt every day or everything just kind of completely <laughs> Steady, his steadiness. No, I think you did a great job on that. Um, as your book progresses from start to finish, it um, you shift from short fragment sentences to uh, which seem to reflect your mindset at the start of the book, which is fractured, um, to then become more reflective and grounded. You're offering grounded words of wisdom. Did you knowingly take this approach in your writing or was that a subconscious result of how your mindset and your confidence as a writer and a partner grew through this journey? That was not purposeful. So, mm. and I've never had actually anyone say that. And perhaps it takes a brilliant writer like yourself to even see something in it that I don't. Um, but I will say that there is probably a lot of truth in that because the beginning of the book is what I wrote first. And then I had to go back and rewrite it. Um, but when I'm talking about writing this book, it was over a period of years. So every time I had to go back in to write the beginning of the book, it was really, really hard and very tough and very emotional. And I would put myself right back into that. Um, and so it wasn't easy. And I waited a long time to kind of get back into that. And perhaps that's a little bit of reflective uh, writing on how it was to kind of be within the first few months of the book. 
<laughs> Welcome back, viewers, and here we have Katrina taking us to Cambodia. And uh, I'm going to um, um, just start with, uh, we were cycling in Cambodia, and this little boy came and started cycling past us, and he didn't seem too interested in me uh, at the moment, but he just could not keep his eyes off of Mike, and he pedaled in front of me, and Mike was uh, in front of me riding and uh, they biked beside each other uh, for quite a while. And this is the conversation uh, that takes place. And this conversation I actually captured on video. So it is uh, quite, quite accurate. <clears throat> They're pra he's practicing, uh, practicing his English. We're from Canada, Mike told him. Mike's own white cotton top that had billowed in the early morning breeze now stuck to his body with perspiration, caked with the red earth that blew from the dry fields. Canada? The boy was puzzled. Do you know America? asked Mike. Oh yes, I know America. It's near there, Mike told the boy. Did you just finish school? Yes, now I go home. When do you go home? We're not sure yet, maybe six months. Six months? But what about your kids? We don't have any kids. No kids, the student said. The rotation of his pedal slowed. But what about your ox? We don't have any oxen. How do you plow your fields? Well, Mike began to answer then looked around him at the torn up land. Oxen pulled at metal rakes plowing the parched ground behind them. I see, you have water buffalo, the boy said excitedly, pumping on the pedals. No, we have no water buffalo. Actually, we don't have any fields either. People that do have farms use tractors to plow their fields. Tractors, yes. I have seen this somewhere once. The boy went quiet. I wonder if he believed we were the most poor and unfortunate people to not own an ox or water buffalo on top of having no children. Who is she? He motioned behind to me. She's my wife. What does she do? She's my personal assistant. Why do you have no children? You're very old. My wife is barren. Barren? I don't know this word. I looked around, ready to grab a coconut from a tree to toss at Mike's head, though I'm sure the boy would have noticed and would certainly have thought even less of me. Maybe we'll have a child soon, Mike said. This caused me to lurch forward in my seat. My legs forgot to pedal. We'd only rarely talked about having a baby. Yes, the boy stood up on his pedals and spun happily. Yes, this is a very good idea. Otherwise, who will look after you and your no fields? giggling all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> I love the example, um, or this particular example of the mix of cultures expressed in light humor, Katrina. Um, was it exchanges like this amidst foreign cultures that slowly, bit by bit, experience by experience, allowed bridges to be built between you and Mike? Yeah, I think I think what we gave ourselves on uh, going on this trip was just an immense amount of time together and kind of that space to um, really get to know each other. And part of the way we got to know each other was through other people. So watching other couples, um, watching um, other families and just having these really deep um, conversations once we were able to get to them. And at this point, Mike and I had never really perhaps expected that we would have children. So at this point in the book, it's actually quite pivotal because not only are we then later that evening going to discuss having a child one day, 
um, that our relationship is now hitting a point where that is it is it strong enough? Like these kind of these things are are happening. So uh, I don't know necessarily believe that it's with that you ha you have to go away for that. I think it's just allowing different experiences in all the time. And if we live our lives and doing the same thing every single day, then we're not uh, attracting ourselves um, to anything different either. So I think we can do that even when we're when we're at home. But I just loved having the time with him to be able to figure a whole bunch of stuff out and, and connect over these bridges. But it's interesting too, how, how an, an experience as simple as that one with that young boy, you know, a young boy just practicing his English, yet that whole um, reading just has so much warmth and connection. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I, I like your reminder too, just in speaking now that you said we don't have to go away to gain those kinds of experiences, but we do have to be open to them. We have to have our eyes open. Yeah. yeah. Um, Katrina, I'm ready to move on to another reading just to let people continue to hear your voice. If you're happy to, <laughs> to, to jump in, if you would like to do the Vietnam reading or we can uh, okay. do that one. Yeah. Let's try it. This is 10 months into the trip now. So um, has there been any talk of going home yet or are you still full steam ahead? No, we didn't uh, talk too much about going home yet. I I certainly didn't bring it up <laughs> to go home. I was not ready at this point um, to go home. We were having uh, we were having a really good time. We were still we were still learning a lot. We still had um, the capability um, to keep to keep going. So we didn't. Um, I, and at this point in the trip, we had a destination in mind. We really wanted to bike through Tibet and wanted to see Mount Everest. Um, and then eventually get in um, to Nepal. So at this point, we had decided we kind of had, we had a focus. You were on point. a mission. So, yeah, we were, we were on a mission and still, you know, always learning. Okay. Um, as we do. <clears throat> okay. So we've just now come from a, down from the mountains and uh, if I could call them, they're pretty large anyways, the huge hill all day. It was fantastic riding. Um, and we've just hit the coast of Vietnam. And we're about to meet uh, friends uh, to cycle with them for a while. I could smell the sea before we saw it. Salt wafted through the air and tickled my nose. The sun set swiftly as if it was knocked down from the sky with a racket and darkness came before we were in the center of Nha Trang. As we pulled up to meet Zach and Elise, I realized Mike and I would be losing our alone time together. I wasn't scared to lose what we had, but I was nervous about the change and how it would be to travel with others. The two of us were used to our own company. We learned to thrive. We knew how we would react to certain scenarios like hot weather, no water, lack of food, or dirty rooms. I was proud that I was no longer frustrated when Mike couldn't find something in his pannier or was slower in getting ready. Along with patience and understanding came a new appreciation for how thorough he was in tasks I normally passed over. For example, calculating our expenditures, more insurance, banking, things I didn't pay much heed. Traveling with him had become easy. Once settled, all of us circled around a blue plastic table at a nearby restaurant. Chicken bones and dirty napkins covered the floor. Slurping sounds echoed from nearby tables. 
The noisy eating was a sign of respect, telling us the food would be delicious. Mike sat to my left and wore the same dark gray t-shirt that had been commonplace since we left home. He ordered rice with chicken. It's exactly as I thought he would. I knew him. Mike was reliable and predictable. Then Mike surprised me. Conversations circled around the table and it deferred from our usual discussions. He expressed opinions on topics including Vietnam War, politics, and world affairs. I leaned back in my chair and I just listened. Being with others gave him the opportunity to engage in conversations so different than our own. It brought me back to the very beginning, the first time I heard Mike's voice. I remembered how it seemed as if everything he said in those first few months of our relationship I had never heard before. He mesmerized me. I found myself in love with him very, very early on. In fact, for years before we were married, I felt I loved him more than he loved me. And perhaps I had become insecure with that feeling. Of course, I wanted to be someone's everything too. What I now grasped, listening to Mike engage with our friends in a noisy restaurant, was that Mike had always been in love with me. He simply showed it differently than I did. Whereas I would grasp in a, in a spontaneous hug, he would set my alarm because he knew I wanted to wake up early. I give and want physical attention, yet he makes sure to order the book I had mentioned. Slowly, I was giving up the idea that he needed to show me love in the same way I showed it. I hoped when this trip was over, I could continue to recognize the way he gives love as I could see now it was thoughtful, generous, and ultimately great. I turned to look directly at Mike. His stubble had grown long and his face lit up as he laughed over something I'd missed. His blue eyes sparkled in the dimly lit room. Heat stirred low in my belly and I was excited to get back to the hotel. I must have had a goofy smile on my face because all of a sudden, Elise gave me a look that said, what are you thinking about? One morning later on, Elise and I walked along the shore, watching waves rhythmically rush in before calmly backing out. She shared with me one of the best pieces of wisdom I had ever heard regarding relationships. I promised to never get to know it back. I picked up a flat rock and skipped it along the water. The mellow light of the early day reflected off the back of the stone until it sank. I stared at the ripples it created, expanding circles of current, thinking about what she said. It took three skipped stones before it caught on to what she meant. As much as I thought Mike and I knew everything about each other, I didn't want to know everything. I wanted the chance to get to know him each and every day. I shouldn't correct his thoughts or his memory just because they were or would be different than mine. Rather, I should like that he had his own opinions. And though we had blended into one current, we didn't have to agree on everything or sacrifice our individuality. There was no reason for Mike and I to be exactly alike as long as we appreciated our differences and found the balance between, between being independent and being a couple. Elise continued, there should always be a space in a relationship where we both can have our own freedom to recreate who we are every day. Otherwise, how boring would that be if years from now, we were the exact same person as we are now? I hugged her and smiled all the way back to Mike. How did she sum up so easily what I had needed years to discover? Again, forgiveness, change, growth. It's uh, that's quite a quite a rich piece. Can you tell me? Um, do you still consider your friend Elisa's words 
that suggest we should always allow space in a relationship for each other to recreate themselves. Like in the busier day-to-day -day life of raising a family, how do you do this? How do you- oh, I consider her words all the time. Uh -huh. uh, not just but uh, so not just about the recreating ourselves, but the, yeah, just, uh, I think kind of being, yeah, just giving each other that, that space. I think um, Mike's always been very good at this. Um, at giving me space and what I really appreciate about Mike is that he's never um, I, I've never gone away and felt guilt um, by that he's always been very um, supportive and, and that's more of my own space you may not give him uh, some of his um, but that whole so not just the least words but that whole piece especially when I try to always put words in Mike's mouth and, um, or, you know, I want him to think a certain way. I'm always thinking back to this chapter and, rem and remembering, no, I want him to be his person as much as I want to be my person. Well, your friend said some pretty rich words there. I think uh, we'll all keep that one in mind. <laughs> Can I ask, um, just from a writing perspective, what was the most difficult or challenging aspect about writing this book versus what came to you with ease? Oh, actually, I think writing it was, so actually like putting it all up there on paper, I love that part. I would actually say that was easy. Nobody would have wanted to read it at that point though. <laughs> um, it was way too, it, it was way too long. It was um, yeah, definitely needed so much work um, after that after that point. Um, the writing process was actually very healing, but it was also very joyful for me. I loved it. I loved spending all day in a coffee shop. I loved um, waking up at five a.m. so I could write before our son was awake. I um, I loved having this project that you know, I saw through, I think a lot of people think writing is a lonely um, experiences experience, but for me, I, I didn't find that. I had asked um, a lot of my friends throughout this process um, who heard about it all the time, a lot from my writing group who also, I mean, I think it took me a year just to write the Thailand chapter and they kind of heard it over and over and over again and really gave me kind of their time and attention. I never felt alone in it, but at the same time, I think it kind of gave this feeling of, um, it was such a big project, you know, and no one really cared if I did it. Like <laughs> it, it was just something that for some reason, it just felt really important to keep going at. And I did have those, thankfully my sister and, you know, friends who would ask about it, you know, often enough. So I felt they really wanted it to, to come out, but I think, yeah, it came. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think the part was that the hardest was actually letting it go, like putting it out there so others um, can read it and, and maybe criticize it and kind of being brave enough in that process. That was, that was the hardest. Yeah, I think you are incredibly brave to put your truth out there and to remain confident. And um, I, I think uh, as a person, you're incredibly brave. And as a writer, you're incredibly brave. 
And, um, <laughs> and, and we, the audience, should be very thankful for that because we get this book to read as a result. <laughs> oh, thank I'll you. I'll, um, I'll ask you one more question and, and then uh, we'll, we'll see what else unfolds. But I'm just wondering if in a few words you can summarize what your goal was in writing this book. Was it a road of self-discovery or was it even more than that? Is there any way to sum that up for us? Mm, I might be <laughs> sum it up. I may be quite long-winded, but <laughs> <laughs> when I decided to write this book it was very early on in the trip. So I documented everything after that point as if I were going to write a book. And it was pretty much six weeks in the trip. I was still probably like in a massive inner conflict um, state. Um, had was super like doing great sometimes during the day but at night i was really still struggling um and but i was like hovering above this scene and looking down on it thinking like this would make a really good book <laughs> like i should tell this story like someone like i think readers need to hear this story and but that was me just from like, I love reading so much and I love writing so much and I love reading adventure travel. This is my genre. This is um, like, I feel so connected to people when they write books like that. And so I was kind of hovering above this scene of us camping in our tent in Zion National Park. And I was just like, this is going to be a really good book one day. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, but I'd never put it out there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I just wrote it as if I was going to... Uh, if I'm going to put it out, put it out there. And, and so I think it started with that. And then it really started with, and then it, it kind of, it continued with, I think it was just really important for all of us to share our stories. It's hard for many people. They, if they keep something in, but it's not as helpful as if you share um, with somebody so it doesn't have to be you know out in a book it could be just you know a phone conversation or just like reaching out and asking um, for help uh, for someone um, when I when I wrote this book I I just I felt that some people will gain something uh, from this on a lighter side it could just be the adventure travel and the entertainment and you know on a heavier side that perhaps this helps them in their own relationship or help maybe it helps them leave a relationship maybe it helps them create the shift that they need in their life to bring more um, joy um, in into themselves it, i wanted to ultimately inspire other people um, if i can say that that's, I mean, that's big to hope you inspire someone, but I really, I did. I think in putting myself out there, I, I really hoped I could help somebody um, who needed it. And maybe for that day or that moment, they wouldn't feel so, so alone. And if that's big, I think the end of it is that 20 years from now, I'm going to have a book and my little boy's going to read it. And that's really cool <laughs> because mm -hmm. we'll have this memory of this awesome, like 13 month adventure um, from for Mike and I and our son for a long time. You know, that is awesome. <laughs> that's really awesome. summed it right up. 
yeah, that's great. Um, I, I want to assure you that uh, that you do inspire your readers. Like from uh, the, the greatest thing about the book is it is a mix of mountain adventure or travel adventure. Um, and then also it's got the human element from start to finish. So it's got the makings of a great story. It's your true life. Um, and I, for one, felt very, uh, very inspired and, and, and just a better person for having read it. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. I'm just going to take a quick look to see if we have any questions from our viewers. If there's any, uh, anyone wants to type something in their chat bar there, we are happy to have Katrina answer your questions. Give me just a moment. <laughs> Typing is happening right now. We'll just wait and see what comes up. But in the meantime, <laughs> Katrina, um, I just want to, I want to make sure I haven't missed any big points. If, is there anything else you want to discuss or, or just touch upon? Mm. I, <laughs> I think in one of your um, questions, um, you had talked about, uh, you know, kind of what was hard about putting the book out there. This is in one of your kind of email email questions oh yeah and and that spoke to how long it actually um took <laughs> people are sending hearts that's cute <laughs> but how long it actually took to put um, um to to put the book out there because at this point i had already forgiven um, myself and and i don't take that lightly but um but it doesn't mean that I'm not sad about it. And it doesn't mean that I'm scared to not feel shameful or not be scared that other people are going to portray shame on me. And that was something I was really nervous about. And I just want to share that mostly that did not happen. I've had, I did have a couple of negative um, critiques that, you know, that like, ah, it kind of hurts, but I think mostly it didn't happen. And, and again, I just don't, I don't want people to kind of be scared to, you know, put themselves out there um, in whatever form they, they need to do that in or a creative outlet or art or dance or song or, you know, writing or Instagram um, or Facebook. I think, uh, I think it's really great that we can all be there for each other and uh, kind of share our, our love and, um, and heal with one another. Yeah, you know, Katrina, your story, um, you you made it okay for people to get to know someone, um, warts and all, as they say. Like, it's it's life, and uh, and you very graciously share it. And, and um, again, I think that helps people put themselves out there, too. <laughs> yeah. So one quick question that we definitely need to answer, <laughs> this is critical for all authors. Where can people buy your book? Yeah, I think anywhere. <laughs> you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it from our awesome cafe books at Camor if there's Camor people uh, here. Um, please just ask your local bookshop um, to order it in uh, for you. And um, if anyone's out there and wants to help me um, write an audio or do an audio book, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> and don't, forget but, uh, your, um, don't forget your public library because um, 
Oh yes, it's in the library authors, now. Yeah, authors actually do quite well um, through something called the Public Lending Commission. If uh, if people are signing books out of libraries, so don't hesitate to get your favorite author, Katrina Rosen's book, from um, from your local library. <laughs> yeah. oh, Helen, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time and um, and being here. Katrina, the, the honor is all mine. Thank you for sharing. Um, viewers, thank you for being with us here tonight. Yeah, and, thank you, friends. Yeah, and um, cheers for Katrina. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Good night, everyone.